0: Welcome back. It's time for Customers Who Click, the e-commerce podcast for brands looking for their next growth opportunities. If you're interested in improving your conversion rates, average order values and customer lifetime value, head over to CustomersWhoClick.com where you can find all our previous episodes and get in touch if you'd like to learn more. Today, we're diving deep into the world of e-commerce with a special guest, a man who's been at the heart of Shopify success stories, Kurt Elster. Kurt is known for his brilliant insights on the unofficial Shopify podcast and has a knack for uncovering hidden profits in your websites. So whether you're a brand side marketing whiz, a budding entrepreneur, or an agency owner, you're in for a treat. Let's give a warm welcome to Kurt Elster. Kurt, thanks for joining me today. Would you mind just to introduce yourself, give us a little bit of your background and kind of how you've got to where you
1: are today? Sure. Yeah. When you ask people like, hey, tell me about yourself in like a customer survey, that's always what they give you. And so I always try to ask them like, Tell me about what kind of person you think would buy my product. And then you get like, what they're about. But you ask what I'm about and why I'm here. And yeah. I assume the answer is my Shopify and e-commerce background. And so I've been uh, a Shopify partner for a little over 10 years now. And it's all, I've done it full time. Okay. I'm best known for hosting a podcast on the topic, official Shopify podcast with you know, over 2 million downloads, which when I started, I had no idea what I was doing. And 500 episodes later, maybe I figured it out. But nope, we do theme development is like 80% of my day and a little bit of app stuff and some content marketing. But 100% all of it, it's Shopify, it's e-commerce, it's entrepreneurship. Awesome. So you mentioned themes
0: specifically there. So I guess we'll just jump straight into the Shopify stuff. Like how important is a theme? And I guess unless you go for something super custom,
1: how much does it really matter? You know, it's a double-edged sword. I think, yeah, you want a great experience. But a great experience, the way the customer sees it, which is what matters, and the way a brand owner sees it, you know, an entrepreneur or merchant sees it as different. And I think for the customer, it's like, it's about them. And they're saying, look, I just want to get in, figure out if I'm in the right place, get to my stuff, figure out if this is the right thing for me, and buy it and knock it hat, And just like, all of that has to be as frictionless as possible, or the whole thing's just kind of an annoying experience. And I'm leaving. I'm just going to go back. And so for the customer, it's like, they want some decent copywriting, some good photos, and like the most plain, simple theme you could come up with. It's got everything you need, nothing you don't kind of thing. It's like the Volkswagen Beetle of themes. And, but for a brand owner, it's like their ego is in it, which is fine. And they want to differentiate themselves, which is fine too and understandable. And so they want flash. They want like the really fancy, flashy website. And that's where I think the wheels can fall off. Like as soon as you start adding in all these things, you can end up with a slow, clunky, hard to manage website and you get yourself in trouble. So there has to be a happy medium in there. And but all of that, I mean, that's the theme. That's the front end of the website. That is the whole experience for an online store on Shopify is like is that theme and how you set it up. And so it's extremely important, but the direction you go with it is entirely up to you. And I think determines like how difficult that task is going to be. Okay. So how crazy can you go with
0: it and still make it work? Like what's, Have you got examples maybe? Have you got like some just crazy, I guess, like like briefs or whatever that's, that you've got, you guys have worked on that have actually you know, worked really well, despite maybe you guys thinking, this is crazy, like, why do they need all these extra features and all the bells and I whistles?
1: few things that occur, you know, where people get themselves in trouble is like that app store is re- it's like not so much the theme where we create issues. it's the app store. Where the app store is wonderful. You know, it's like, no matter what kind of feature functionality I need to add to my Shopify store integration, whatever, there's an app for that. The problem is there's an app for everything that will do everything. And it turns into like a conversion rate optimization slot machine. It's like, well, I just, you know, I I pull the lever, I get the right combination of apps installed. You know, my my store will, and my conversions and my revenue will skyrocket. And it isn't the case. That's how you end up with those real cluttered websites that are slow to load. And it's a clunky experience for the customer where they're like, why are there so many pop-ups and sticky elements? I don't know what's going on here. So probably like less the theme or the apps, but as far as, like, I think where people get themselves in trouble, they're trying to do everything all at once. And it's like, hey, I've got... I'm going to build a site, and I want it to be perfect, and I want to hit it out of the park, you know, on on day one. And I think that's unrealistic. Because a website, like, you don't... It's not like a house. I don't have to just finish it and then move into it. It is easily revised, modified, customized over time. And so I think it's much easier to like, let's just get it, the foundation right, and then like build, adapt, test, build, adapt, test on that. As opposed to like, I think where people get in trouble, and we see these in the creative briefs. It's clear, they're like, here's our list of requirements. And it's like, they went to every one of their competitor sites, rattled out every single feature that all of those sites had, and then put that in one big, nasty, concatenated list. And they're like, all right, all 10 of our competitors have these 85 features collectively, but our site has all of those all at once. Obviously, we're the best. We're going to... Hey, yeah. Of course, it's just like you have made an absolute Jenga tower nightmare of an online business when you do that. And like, oh my gosh, the subscriptions to support all that. Yeah. Scary stuff. Well, I guess, do you think uh, it's one view that maybe if you
0: can't, potentially if you can't afford an agency... If you can't, you know, if you can't afford marketing agency, development agency, whatever, but you can afford a few fifty dollars subscriptions, hundred dollars subscriptions, do you think maybe some smaller brands, or hopefully just smaller brands, kind of view it as this alternative, right? What what, almost like why hire an agency and spend thousands on them if I can just plug in these apps, which will promise me
1: improved conversion rates and AOV and all this? It's an enticing stepping stone and middle place. I think there's a lot of advantage in trying to do it yourself. Because if you do it yourself, even if you're like not thrilled with the end result, hopefully you'll be proud of what you built. But no matter what, you'll have that experience. And now you'll understand how the themes work. And you'll understand, or you'll start to gain an understanding of it. And you'll also be able to talk the language. And so when you do hire someone to assist you with it, or you do start shopping for fancier themes, you'll know, you'll be much more confident in having that discussion and making those decisions, and so I, I always want to try it myself first and fail, so that I can have an informed discussion with the vendor I'm hiring. Those are yeah. it, it just gives you an appreciation for the work. Yeah, it makes sense. Really, I mean, yeah, if you've got if you've tried to do Facebook
0: ads, no matter how it's gone, hopefully you've at least learned something. So when you hire an agency or a freelancer, you should know whether they're kind of being completely honest and truthful with everything they're saying, right? It's like, you know, the big thing with email at the moment is the 30, what, 30% of your revenue should be from email, right? If you don't know about this sort of stuff and don't have the experience, you might fall for that and kind of buy into that. Whereas at least if you have used Clavio yourself or another platform and you understand the attribution and everything, you'll understand that, you know, that's not how it works. Partly from an attribution, partly from just, you know, if too much of your revenue is from email, you're probably not acquiring enough customers. You mentioned getting a fancier theme. Is there a certain time that you should, you know, if you're on like the basic thing, for example, is there a certain point at which you should be upgrading or getting a custom theme or whatever, or is it kind of just a, an
1: opinion thing? I would say I always start with like a. If you're new to this, you start with a theme that's ideally developed by Shopify, and those themes are actually going to be they're going to be very reliable they're going to meet the standard they're also going to be the most stripped down and that's intentional it is to make it more accessible to people who are new to it and so those themes are an excellent starting place that help you help keep you from getting in trouble they've got very good guardrails and so it, it becomes much more easy to get started but if you play with it fairly quickly you'll probably hit a point where you go i feel limited aha when you feel limited, that's when you should start looking for the upgrade. If you're looking for the upgrade before you feel limited, you really can't take advantage of it because you don't—you haven't hit the limitations of where you're at. Like, you know, I enjoy being a do-it-yourselfer, whether I'm successful or not. And my solution to buying tools is always buy the cheapest one. And if I break that tool from using it, now I should go get the good one. Yeah. That's how I look at the starter themes. It's like, play with it till you break it. Now let's upgrade to the premium theme. And once you get to the premium theme, it's like, all right, you're going from a $0 theme to like a theme that costs several hundred, but certainly, you know, under 500 is quite affordable. And I would stick to stuff that's from developers who work within the Shopify theme store. There are so many themes you can get from third-party marketplaces, and they don't have to go through like this stringent code quality process, which is quite necessary for the theme editor for apps for all that stuff to work reliably. Yeah, And certainly there are decent themes in those stores, but none of them that are going to be, it, I think the majority are just not going to be as nice or as easy to use out of the box as a theme from Shopify's theme store. And as long as it's a, like a developer that has a theme in the theme store, they've been through the experience, they know what they're doing. That's who you trust. Basically anything in that store, anything in the Shopify store sh- should be good to use. Oh yeah. That process is notoriously difficult. Like if you see a theme in there, you know they went through the ringer to do it, and that's what you want. And like with that, okay, now you're gonna you're gonna be thrilled with all the options and templates and features and settings and blocks and sections and all this stuff. You really start to play and get comfortable. And if you get to a point where you're like, oh, well, this isn't this is almost what I want, but not quite. You want that extra ten percent quality. You know, you that first ninety percent is doable. That extra ten percent is going to cost you just as much as the first ninety. That's where you could start doing theme customizations. Okay. Now you're going to take what you had, your premium theme, and maybe you build custom sections in it or like you make some customizations to it. All right, now you got an issue because it's going to be tough to update or upgrade that theme. That's the cost. But you get exactly what you want and you know maybe it's like 300 for the theme plus your time plus some of these customizations. Okay, thousand bucks. Now we really got something nice. But that theme is just a frame, right? It's like a portrait. What? The photo is what matters. The frame itself is less important. Your content that you put in the site, that's the important part. And like, you know, today with generative AI and all these amazing tools and our camera phones, it's much easier to get great content. But like, that's the thing no one talks to me about. They're like, oh, what theme, what theme, what theme? And I, who cares? Get some great content in there, right? So I'm just going to hedge my theme discussion by saying quality content is what's going to sell your stuff. Yeah. And then beyond that, like, okay, very few people really need a truly custom built theme, and they're expensive. You know, like now you're into tens of thousands of dollars and so I think for most businesses, premium theme with some customizations is realistically the way to go yeah, it reminds me of
0: you know back when I was in house, I remember a couple of times when you know the seniors were kind of signing off on some new tools that we were going to use, you know new new crm tools and things, and it was actually it was kind of the opposite view to what you've mentioned, which was, you know, kind of buy cheap, wait till you break it and then upgrade. Their view is kind of let's make sure this has got everything we could possibly want to use and then hope at some point we'll be in the position to use it. Ooh. Which
1: gets expensive, right? <laughs> it's not just well, and that's like and that idea is buy once, cry once. But if you don't know if you're going to use it, why are you paying all that up yeah. front, right?
0: Some of these enterprise level platforms, where you know this one particular brand, we had millions of users right across across the five brands, tens of millions of users. So they would have been absolutely shelling out cash for this CRM system, knowing even in the sales pitch, you know, the sales conversations we had, they were even saying, "We know we won't be using this feature yet." But we think it's something we'll use in about twelve months. It's like paying so much money for a pretty big feature from these guys. But I know, did they use it? Not while I was there. <laughs> it didn't reach that stage when when they were ready to use it. On the so on the topic of content. So yeah, one thing I was going to say was these apps, right? Apps are they are they're not the good content stuff, right? They do a job. Look at you know, there's some great apps out there, but. It's, like you said, the content that really matters. How would you suggest, I guess, identifying this content? How do you work out what should be on the website?
1: I think you have to treat every page... Well, every page has a job, right? So that's, like, number one. When you start thinking that way, life gets easier. And, you know, when you're faced with a big problem, you've got a glacier. How do you move a glacier They break it into ice cubes? And within it, I would say first you start with, like, you have to understand your customer. You know, why, what's going on with them? If you're brand new to this, you're your best customer. So that's what you got to start with. But over time, very quick, by the time I've got 10 sales, well, I got 10 people I could talk to. A hundred sales, by the time I got a hundred, I should definitely be surveying these people. I should be talking to a few of them on the phone when I can. You know, why'd you buy? Who would you recommend this to? Did you recommend this to anybody? How'd you describe it? Why? Who would benefit from it? Why would they benefit from it? How would they benefit I want to understand how they see themselves before and after they've purchased my product or how the benefit they're receiving and not like the emotional benefit they're receiving. Yeah. And once I know that, now my website, my content can hold up the mirror. It can show them, you know, it can reflect them. It can use their language. And that's where these AI tools get really interesting is because you could be like, all right, I'm going to export all my product reviews for one product. Now, maybe I got a product that's got 50 reviews. Awesome! I'm gonna export those, put those into ChatGPT. Hey, ChatGPT, I'm gonna give you these reviews, and in it and now, yeah, you know, I can ask it a few questions. Hey, why they buy? You know, what's the reason? And now it like, gets interesting. I can get copywriting formulas, like you know, websites, plenty of blogs and articles that give you copywriting formulas. It's an outline. So now you could tell your generative AI tools, probably ChatGPT, hey, here you're gonna write a product description. Here is an outline to follow for that product description and use the reviews I gave you, and it'll do it, and it'll do a great job, and then you could take it, and you could tweak it, you know, I like, there's some final copy ending, but you'd be like, all right, yeah. change this tone of voice, you know, rewrite, give me a version that's in the style of an Amazon description, it'll add like, bolded points to it, yep. and now I've like, everybody hates writing, it's homework, but writing is the thing, man, that's like what powers the cornerstone of all your content, like, whether in TV, in movies, they know this, but marketers, don't necessarily especially new entrepreneurs seem allergic to copywriting because it got like beaten into them as painful through school and it doesn't have to be but you know working from outlines and working with these generative ai tools it makes it so much easier and then of course you know like photo and video content yeah you hate if you own an iphone like you already have the tools it's just a matter of being able to play with them and that's you know there's youtube videos for that but at this point it's like wow if you just put in a little bit of the effort to learn and play with the tools, you can get the content.
0: Yeah. And, you know, you mentioned taking your own reviews. You know, I suppose if you don't have your reviews, this requires a little bit more editing, but you could take competitor reviews, right? Find out what people like about your competitors' products, provided it's obviously pretty much the same thing or does the same job. You know, if you think, you know, if you do customer interviews or whatever, find out, one particular pain point or benefit that people have with your product, if you have a competitor that does the same thing, then yeah, just kind of scrape those reviews, plug them into ChatGPT and and have it do the same thing from theirs.
1: Or at the least... You do is find something sense. similar on Amazon. Give it yeah. the reviews and be like, hey, what did people like about this? What didn't they like? How'd they describe it? How'd they describe themselves? It'll tell you. It'll do it.
0: Yeah. And you can always add in a few things like, also, remember to mention that my product has this specific feature. Or here's one thing we want to talk about, specifically about our product, just to make sure you know it does get that in there. But yeah, I mean, some of the stuff, I haven't actually used it a huge amount for like copywriting and marketing and things. I've used it to analyze a few reviews. But some of the other stuff I've got it to do for me, it saves so much time. Just, yeah, it's great. And like you said, there's AI, sorry, AI. There's image stuff as well. I know there's video as well, isn't there? You know, create. The,
1: yeah, I think that's still early days on the video. Yeah. But obviously, like, I mean, all this stuff's right around the corner. And it just started, like, we're just scratching the surface of what's coming. I think, you know, start playing with it, trying to master these tools now, or risk getting left behind. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, uh, I mean, again, on the copy side, you know,
0: if you take almost any website out there and remove the words from the pages you wouldn't have a clue what to do right the the website would be nothing whereas do the opposite if you remove the imagery and keep the text you can still you know it's like we said right at the start you can find what you're looking for and you can still buy it because that's you know the important bit the text we've talked a little bit about some mistakes what have you got any kind of like three big mistakes that you see brands make with their shopify websites
1: no one pays nearly enough attention to how they should set up their main menu. It's always like okay, every link on the website is jammed to the main menu, and then the important part, the catalog, is just under shop. It's like a nested drop-down horror show. And then, like the, and then the desktop menu and the, ma- the mobile menu they will just be like the identical thing. And yep. if you go on any major retailer's website, they have multiple menus, and the main menu is exclusively shopping. Like, if I go on Best Buy, Target, Walmart, whatever, Amazon, in the main menu, you better believe there's not, like, blog, about. It'll be in the footer, won't it? You'll get that
0: sort of stuff in the footer, but that main navigation is purely your shopping categories.
1: Absolutely. And so it's not even a tough thing to do. It's just, I see it overlooked so often. And it's like, that's such an important part, because the menu, you when they first land on the site, what are they going to see? The top, the masthead. It's going to be like logo, card icon, and that main menu. What? That main menu gives me the context for the site. And so if you just make it like, well, these are the categories, it's like men's, women's, pants, shirts. That suddenly, like I know right away, oh, I'm on an apparel website. Ah. And then I, the whole page could have not loaded. It just could have been like logo and main menu, and I know what's there. And that's the page is. I think of the homepage as like the person is standing outside your store. They're looking in that front window, and the homepage is one job is get them to come in the door. And so that's can they if you can get them to a collection page or you can get them to a product detail page. Ah, now they are in your store and they're shopping. But if they only make it to that homepage and no further, eh, it's like they kind of walk past the store, right? And so I think that main menu has an outsized impact, and that's a you know that's information architecture, but it's a kind of copywriting. It's microcopy. And so, again, it's like the really important stuff that makes the difference, that does the, the conversion, that determines whether or not this stuff works, is words. And words in the main menu, the product description is all words. The product titles will determine, help determine click-through rate. And you know, you mentioned email several times. Well, you know, what's an email? The subject line, the headline, it's, it's all words.
0: It's same so so thing, isn't it? The subject line gets you in. Yeah. And then the rest of the content.
1: If you can nail that stuff, that copywriting, okay, that's the important part. And that's why at the start, I'm like, you know, that free Dawn starter theme that Shopify just hands you that's very limited, that's a blessing in disguise. Because if you focus on that content, especially the copywriting, those are the sites that really make money.
0: Yeah. I was on one site the other day. I think they had, I reckon they had five or six items on the menu. And the first one was shop or shop all, I can't remember. And the rest were all uh, blog about us. I think they had one on like sustainability or our mission or something like that. But like they dedicated one one word to the actual thing that people were coming to the website
1: to do. And you know why? It's because they're narcissists. It's your ego talking. Like, yeah, it, it's an e-commerce website in which the number one goal is to sell things to the customer. And they absolutely buried it because they were too busy talking about themselves. Click the about so we can talk to you about us. Click our mission so you can learn about our mission. No one cares. Yeah, right? They don't. Once they've bought an item or once they've they've found an item they want, they've added it to cart. Now they might care. But it's only because they're like, hey, am I about to give my money and my 16-digit precious credit card to some psycho? Like, who am I giving it to? And so the about page is where we'll often see people go after they've gone to cart to try and figure out, wait, who am I buying from exactly? You know, and for some people, especially like, you know, Gen Z, they want to, it's like, all right, let's just make sure that our values are aligned or at least our values are, you know, not aligned. Or, and like, what's your return policy? And so like, again, that you talk about copywriting, that about page, that's where you could share like, well, this is who we are. This is what we're about. This is why we're doing this. But it's also a good spot to be like, well, you know, here's returns and exchanges. Like, here's our satisfaction guarantee. Because that's the time they're going to look at it. And I often end it with like, you know, I don't want dead ends. So it's like, well, here's the owner's favorite products. And just, it's like a featured collection at the bottom of the about page. Yeah. I think it's something people, if people
0: want to know, they'll go find it, but they don't need it just in their faces right at the start of their purchase journey, right? That's most likely while they're there or at least having a look at the products.
1: It's like you, you're proud of it. You put in so much effort to write that about page mission, sustainability page, like I'm doing everything right. So clearly it's important to everybody else too and they're going to want to read it too right away. No, they're they're absolutely not. They're just bored and they're browsing on their couch at work, right? They're like, "Eh, maybe I'll buy some jeans, maybe I won't.
0: Yeah. They want to see what the product's going to do for them. Then they might go check out, you know, are you actually as sustainable as you claim to be? That sort of thing. But one of my other pet peeves with menus is brands who use branded collection terms and things. So... You know, for a fashion brand, for example, it wouldn't just be men's and women's They'd have like the mountain collection. Well, mountain's actually a bit too clear. You know, they come up with random names that don't tell you anything about over-branded. it.
1: overbranded.
0: Overbranded. There was a PC website I looked at uh, a couple of years ago when I was working with a similar business. And yeah, you open their menu and it was literally just like the fusion collection, the hybrid, like the power the, and these sort of things, you're like, I don't know what any of these actually mean, which means you're asking me to open every single one of those just to find out which collection I want to be in before I start uh, start actually making decisions on products. So yeah, that's something that... We had
1: a client me. who calls a collection the bodega. And it's a term they've used for other stuff too. And what they learned was that when... You know, someone at the, on the team told me. I don't know how they learned it, but there's a lot of people have no idea what a bodega is. You know, it's like it turns out it's a very specific term to New York, to the East Coast. And so, if you're not from there, you're like I really don't. They're like a, bod, a bodega. Like, what is this? And so that's it, I didn't even catch it. Right? I was like, you know, bodega. Okay, makes sense. Bodegas are fun, and it's a danger. Like, you don't want to make things. So branded that no one has any idea what they're looking at. Like, they're not like, oh, it's a fun adventure. I want to explore and see what's hidden in these couch cushions. Nobody, right? They're just like, please just tell me what you want to try to sell me. Like, why or, you hard? Or they've
0: come to you with a specific reason. You mentioned jeans earlier, right? If they want to buy jeans, don't have three different collections of jeans that all have random names because they're going to look at it and go, do you even sell jeans? Right, yeah. you know, I mean, how many times do you, you go to a website that you think will have the products you want? You go to the menu, you don't see that product category
1: listed, and so you go. Our like entire ten minutes on this, which I greatly enjoyed, uh, could be summed up with three words: clarity trumps clever. Yeah. Don't if being clever gets you in trouble. If your goal is conversions and sales and revenue and customer experience, please don't be clever. You know, you've all been in that scenario where you go to the restaurant bathroom and it's like, they had to come up with clever names for the men's and women's. And you're like, I'm not a hundred percent sure I'm going in the right bathroom. Don't do that. Don't make them uncertain if they're in the right bathroom.
0: Yep. Yeah. I know the feeling when you see like a a squiggle on the door and they're like, does it say men's, women's? Is it a symbol? Which one am I supposed to go in? I know... uh, it well, it was mainly me bashing apps a little bit ago, but have you got recommended apps? Like, are there some apps that you would always be like, you got it. If you're not set up in this space already, these are the ones you want.
1: I think I'll go, well, okay, so on Shopify, I do so much data manipulation where like, and I want to do everything in bulk and I'm a real spreadsheet jockey. I love it. And so Matrixify is like, that is is one of my favorite apps. It's not that exciting, but it essentially lets you maintain nearly any part of a Shopify store via a spreadsheet. That one is a real time saver. I like that a lot. That's like your power user trying to update catalogs, that kind of thing. But for like the actual, the Shopify front end, let's base it around customers' issues. Do they have, customers be like, hey, where's my order? That's like probably for a lot of people, that's your number one customer support inquiry. And so giving them an order lookup app, um, like track one, two, three is free, at least at this time, like that's a good app. that will do it. Ventoff order lookup. Like there's several in that category that are good. They'll do
0: it. So is this Sorry. what way you kind of look in, you put your order number in and it will say it's with the courier or yeah. we're yeah. packaging it, you know, that sort of thing. It gives you an idea of where it is in the actual fulfillment delivery journey.
1: And what's funny is like, you know, Shopify will send them emails for every single event. And you can style those emails with Clavio And the, like, if you go back to the order confirmation page is like, hey, view your order and it'll send you to a page with your status. Shockingly, that's still not enough because people, you know, they're trained on Amazon. They know you go to the website and then you find like, where's my order? And then it gives you the status. And so i have having a big, like, track my order button. Where's my order? You know, on a contact page, be like, hey, are you looking before the contact form? Just be like, hey, are looking for your order? We got the tool right here. Like, oh, wow, that saves a lot of time for people. So I like that one. You mentioned uh, you didn't use this term.
0: It's the term I use, dead-end, like kind of dead-end experiences. I'm not not sure you said dead-end, did you? But it's that, right? Instead of asking someone to just fill in a form and send an email or take the email address and send an email saying, where's my order? What do I do? Actually heading that off a bit and saying, we think there's a good chance you're here to, because you need to ask about your order. Just click
1: this button instead and go get it. It's like, what are those three most common questions that you get in that contact form? Right above the contact form, answer those three questions or give them the resources to answer that themselves. And then like after that, go, hey, you know, there's other question. We've got other Q&As in our FAQ. You might want to check that so you can get a faster answer or just go ahead and send us a message below. Like you're not, you're polite about it. You're like, look, here's some self-service tools so you can get a faster response. That works pretty well. Be... uh, what else? What else do we need? I love customer service related stuff. You know, the other, my favorite kind of promo because it's easy in e-commerce to get like addicted to discount, the sugar high of discounting. this are yeah. So how do you get around it? Well, my favorite is free gift with purchase. And so you're not devaluing your products. You know, the, there's no discount on the products. It's like spend $50 and get free X. And ideally that item is an exclusive item. You can only get as a free gift with purchase. And so for that, there's an app that'll do it for it. It's called Easy Gift, Or there's a really much more complex app, Rebuy. That one oh, yeah. adds its own drawer cart and it can do, you can set up rules It can do the same thing. But those are the two I like to do free gift with purchase apps. I think- Or free gift with purchase promos, I should say. One thing that's definitely important
0: to remember there is it's got to be a good gift. Like I, I know some companies try and like discard stock or- you know it's free gift and the and the, you know they actually message it as just free gift or free mystery gift or something. and so you're kind of you get a bit curious and you think, well, I was probably gonna spend it anyway. I'll spend an extra five ten dollars to get free gift yeah. and then it's just something that's complete trash. And, I know. then you feel stupid and then you think, well I just, it's a negative experience then, isn't it? It's like you're almost you focus on that and the fact that you open up this free gift and go, well, that sucks. And then it kind of takes away from the positive experience you were going to have with the actual products themselves.
1: Yeah. And it depends on the store, but it'd be like, all right, we've got, you know, this exclusive, like, here's a hat. Here's, oh, we have this client, Hoonigan, who on Black Friday, every week there was a different free gift for the purchase. And it was like, you know, you make any purchase, we'll give you a free gift for the purchase. But it's like today only you can get this lapel pin that people who are fans of the brand would know like, yeah, this is like, this is cool. Okay, And you could only, you could never just buy it. You could only get it as the free gift. So now I got to buy something else and I can get it. Oh, sweet. And then you can tier the free gifts. It's like, all right, well, any purchase is going to get you that pin. But if you spent 50, you're going to get the pin and a mystery bag, you know? And like the mystery bag is like, you know, t-shirt socks kind of thing. And and now it's like, wow, I, I got like this whole bundle. It's cool. But that's a fun way to do it. And they teased it too, where it's like, You know, they showed you just the silhouette of the items and they're like, every week's going to be a different free gift item. And so now they're training you. I got to open the email every week and see what the promo and the free gift is for this week. Yeah. And then you pair that with like, all right, we're highlighting this item. It's not on sale. We're just like, hey, check this one out for this week. And then you pair it with like, all right, we've got a new product that just came out. Oh, now you're, now it's really going to sing. Or like, hey, this fan favorite's back in stock for the first time in three months. That kind of thing.
0: It's been quite a cool, quite a cool Christmas promo. Do you guys have advent calendars over there? Is that a thing? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it is. Okay. Love, love their advent calendar. We put
1: Hershey's Kisses in it.
0: Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. I wasn't sure if that was like a weird British thing. <laughs> no, but no. But similar that would be quite cool, right? So every day, in fact, I, we actually did one when I used to work for a voucher affiliate. So, you know, you, you go to their website to find a voucher a coupon for any brand, pretty much. And that's what we did at Christmas one year. We had a branded advent calendar on the website. And each day, a certain box would light up. You'd click it and it would tell you what that exclusive discount was, only available for that day. That worked really, really well. I've not not tried it with like physical products and things, but
1: yeah. And you're building the habit. That's the big advantage to like come check every day and get this reward. And again, it's like, it's not like, here's our mission. You know, it's very focused on here is something novel for you. Ah, the human brain loves and craves novelty. You know, it's fun. It's a surprise. Who doesn't like a surprise? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Speaking of surprises, I guess, what's coming up in the future of Shopify and apps? I think they're launching their own AI. I was going to say, they just Sidekick. announced Shopify Sidekick, which a Sidekick is such a better branding for AI. I guess is like, I think we're going to see a lot more things called Sidekick in the future. Because let's be honest, like Google Bard and ChatGPT, those are not catchy brand names, but Shopify side, it's got the alliteration. I like it. I mean, ChatGPTs, it's
0: basically a developer name, isn't it? Like it's not, yeah. it feels like it was but never really a proper if you brand name. Them,
1: they would have come up with something better.
0: <laughs> but good Google Bard, it seems you meant like clarity over clever, right? They've tried to be clever with that. And I think to a lot of people, that's people aren't going to have a clue. Yeah, and so yeah just, I think
1: that was like Bodega's. Like, wait, first you have to assume yeah. they know what a bard is. Yeah. All right, Shakespeare, uh, calm down. Yeah, so yeah, do you know much about
0: Sidekick? Or is it kind of, it's just been announced and you it's, know what well, it is, but could. that's it.
1: As far as I can tell, it, it's just been announced. It was this you know, video with Toby. But, you know, my hope is the presentation was like, hey, a lot of people have someone they could call. You know, imply someone like me where you go like, all right, we've got this issue, we know what we're doing. And for me, it's like, oh, yeah, no, just like, go do X, Y, Z, you're fine. They're like, oh, thanks, sweet. Or, you know, you got to sit on hold with Shopify support, which their support's fine, but like, you know, who wants to have to go sit on hold with support all the time? Yeah. And so with, or like, I got to Google it and go through like 10 different forum threads until I find, figure out like, oh, this is what I need to do. And so I think the idea behind Shopify Sidekick is I can just type in my question, like, hey, I need to, their example was like, why did sales dip in March? It's like, oh man, you really make yourself crazy if you could just ask it open ended questions like that. But assuming it is plugged into all of the store's data, then it really could be quite powerful. I mean, like, I would love that if I could say, because often I have data specific questions. It's like, I, what's the add to cart rate for this specific product? What's it in the average add to cart rate for products in this collection? And now I can start comparing. Trying to get that data out now is doable, but not easy. But if I could just, like, you know, but asking the question is easy. And so if I could just ask the question and it comes back with the right answer, oh, my gosh, that's quite helpful. And they also showed it where, like, it could try and gen- figure out, like, we're going to build a your homepage for you, where it's like it picked out the sections and set everything up. And, like, surely something like that, it's going to be a little templated. But as a starting point, you know, if you're doing it for the first time, ah, probably takes away a lot of hand-wringing and, like, paralysis analysis.
0: yeah, absolutely. I like that that example of like why did sales drop in March or even on this weekend? you know because you know, the amount of times I'll get a slack message from a client on a Monday or a Tuesday saying conversion rate was down this weekend, what's happened? The ability to just type that question in and ask would be fantastic. I mean it might not know, right? It might just say traffic was down, conversion rate was down. we don't know. And then, you know, we might be able to look at it and say, well, the weather was incredible that weekend, so everyone was out, right? And we're seeing it on, seeing it on different websites as well. Conversion rate was
1: just down this weekend. It's funny the number of factors that will affect, convert, affect conversion rate. Like, how'd the stock market do? Oftentimes, that'll correlate, especially like on a luxury brand. Yeah. You know, what's the, I, often, I look at school schedules and like, is there a holiday weekend? People, their kids are running around. they they got stuff planned. They're doing things. If they're doing things, they're not bored. And when people get bored is when they start shopping. And so it's like, well, if there's a better alternative to just blowing money on my couch, they'll take it, right? Yeah. Especially in the summer.
0: Well, I was speaking to the head of marketing for Virgin Pure on here, which is like a, it's, a, it's like filtered water. It's a machine you plug into your water system and it will give you filtered water Really cold, or I think it can do boiling as well. I'm sure there are There's some other examples down there. I know there's a tap we've got here, which is like five grand. It's silly, but it does the same thing, right? It's, it's either like ice cold or boiling hot just by turning the tap. You don't have to wait for it at all. Anyway, they looked back at certain periods and realized their conversion rate was just up, like abnormally up. They hadn't really done anything. And they worked it out by speaking to some people and literally. Thinking about it, it was because the weather was really hot. So people were ordering these things because they wanted cold water, access to cold water all the time. I think it was summer 2020 here because we had a really hot summer that year and it went on for a long time. So I think they just, people just wanted this cold water. And the way they work is they work on more of a lead gen approach to sales, I think, rather than just direct e commerce. So they probably had loads of people in their funnel. Loads of people who knew about the product had already kind of been sold on it, but just thought, "Do I really need to commit to that purchase?" And when that hot weather hit, they thought, "Yeah, gone. That's solved the sense. pain." Yeah, right. You yeah. know, right. solved it at the right time as well.
1: But yeah, previously it's like I could see the value in it. That's cool product. I want one. Do I five thousand dollars want it? Can I defer that decision? There was not 5,000, but yeah, there's- Yeah, but it's like, hey, if I don't have to spend, like there's plenty of things I want that I'm just not going to buy because I could defer the decision. Yeah. And you see a lot of that. Yeah, and just is it, well, so in
0: fact, was one thing I was talking about the other day, actually. It was, a lot of the time, it's actually, it's not the case that I don't, want or need your product it's that you haven't done the job selling it to me well enough right so i do i have the pain point i i would gladly spend the money on this it's not a do i really need this or not it's literally just the copy and the imagery on the website has left me feeling do i really need this or not rather than yes i need to buy this thing like this is
1: going to solve my problems i need this in my oh, life that's where like You want to look for ways to create authentic urgency. And so it's like, hey, we're running low on stock. And you could communicate that. All right, that's going to drive sales. Now, when I run out of product and I can't sell any, okay, now I could, maybe I offer back orders. Or when it finally comes back in stock, I could email everybody and say, hey, this product goes back in stock. One of my favorite headlines I've ever seen an Instagram ad was like, I don't even remember what it was, but it was like, you know, sold out 17 times. I bet. You know, you buy 100 units at a time. Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh we only got 10 left. Oh, no. Oh, and it sells out. All right, right, we'll get on the list to be informed when it comes back in stock because it's going to sell out again. And it becomes this self-fulfilling hype cycle. And, you know, these people just kept it going. i remember. Uh, sorry, go on. I was going to say, you know, people want what they can't have. They want what other people want. and you know, they there's that desire to scarcity will drive urgency with sales. And they also don't want to give up a discount. And so it's like, you know, a countdown timer for like, hey, the sale ends in X days. You know, I think those are the two things where you can kind of force that purchase decision. And those moments are the ones where someone might go like, all right, I'm not, I'm going to skip it, but I'm going to stay on the newsletter. I'm curious. I want to know more. And then hopefully that newsletter is how you drive and build that relationship to the point where they're like, okay, I trust you. And ah, you know, nine, 12 months later, now I'm in a position where it is darn hot. I'm going to buy this thing. Yeah.
0: I had a back in stock issue with quite a big retailer here. It was just a bookshelf I wanted to buy. It was nothing particularly special, but it was out of stock and I really liked it. So I thought, well, I'll put my email in. I'll wait to get rest- restocked, right? Not an urgent purchase. I so can't. I was happy to wait. Um, but it's pretty big here. Got the email and I'm pretty sure it was within about an hour, I'd seen this email, click through it, and it was out of stock again. So I got in touch with them. Um, in fact, I, I, it was because I noticed they had a like a live video chat. So I thought, go on then, I'll use this because I want to try this out. This will be fun. Really good experience. The guy told me they restocked three units. Right? Guess how many people were on that out of stock list? 180. No, I think it was about three and a half thousand. Whoa. Yeah. For just a bookshelf, right? But I mean, to restock three items and then the next restocking was going to be in about six six to eight weeks or something. I was like, what's the point? Of I think what happened was they got some returns, right? So the returns uh-huh. got restocked and because there was a restock, that triggered the email. And then three and a half you people know, got
1: told- You do for that to try and prevent it.
0: I doubt they use Clavio. They probably use a big enterprise level piece of software that
1: no one really knows how to use. That's from. just like, well- there's a single unit in stock, email the entire list. Clavio yeah. batches it, which is what's so clever. It's like, right. and there's like a ratio to it, I think. I mean, you can mess with the settings. It's very clever. It
0: will be because the person in charge of building that email doesn't know what the re- how restocking works. They're not aware that a return, you know, a small batch of returns might enter the system and that will trigger a restock. They're expecting a restock to be a thousand units or like, you know, a full restock. Just before we finish up, I've got a couple of kind of fire questions for you. What's one app on your phone that you can't live without?
1: Oh, man. Well, I, recently I was on vacation and on the plane, I became obsessed with the racing game Horizon Chase. It's an yeah. Apple arcade game. That I loved, I loved. But if we want the productivity answer, I ever since that the iOS chat GPT app came out, I use that more than I do Google searches. Because I can yeah. just be like, all right, here's the question I want in the format, I and give me the answer in this format. Boom, done. It's a lot easier, isn't it? You just get the answer. Yeah, to, I'm not like, not you know, I can legs. copy paste it easily. You know, I'm not messing around with like ads, opening a million tabs, trying to like scroll through. It's just a lot quicker.
0: Yeah, yeah, perfect. Finally, if you got one piece of advice, one final piece of advice for kind of e-commerce business owners or marketers.
1: Oh, I usually have a quick answer to this all right, you have to be absolutely customer-centric focused. You need to be able to put yourself in their shoes because you know, our default is everything is going to be from your view. And like you heard that come through in this interview. And so not obsessing about brand and pixel perfection and like, oh, I got to get you know this big hit on social media. And instead focusing on the fundamentals that everybody skips on sometimes, even the biggest brands. And focus on like, okay, this is who our customer is. This is why they're buying. This is what they want. Here's how we're helping them. That's now your truth. And working everything around that. Because like once you note that positioning statement, make that the cornerstone of everything you do. We sell X to Y because reason. And this is our competitive advantage. If you could fill in that statement and then work everything you do around that, your marketing, your messaging, everything will work so much better. Nail yep. that positioning statement. That's the short answer.
0: Yep, I think that's a perfect piece to end it on as well. If anyone wants to get in touch with you and have a chat we'll find out more about what you guys do, what's the best way of doing that?
1: Sure. Google me, Kurt Elster, kurtelster.com. I have a newsletter, links to everything there. And if you reply to my newsletter, that goes to my real email. I am happy to answer random questions or, you know, if you're working on something cool and want to share it with me. I enjoy that too. Awesome. You mentioned a podcast at the start. Do you want to just remind us of the name? Oh, right. Yeah. The unofficial Shopify podcast. You know, Get it wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, similar interviews to this show. And Will, thank you so much for having me.
0: All right. Thanks so much, Kurt. Fantastic insights about Shopify there for any brands listening. There are some really important and useful apps out there. But as Kurt mentioned, at the end of the day, you just need a standard theme. You just need to focus on having a website that's recognizable as an e-commerce website. Stick to the basics, focus on what your customers want and not the latest gimmicky apps. If you'd like to hear more from Kurt, you can find him on LinkedIn. Any of the podcast questions, feedback or guest requests, please send them over to will at or DM me on LinkedIn. Next up, I've got Christian Hansen joining me. We're going to be talking about how to listen to your customers to perfect your products. But until then, keep those customers clicking.